Thanks, Kyle. Our uh, church motto, which is on my right and left, to know Jesus and make him known. This is a perfect setup for sharing our faith. Uh, We all want to grow in knowing him. Uh, That's the ultimate. It's all about Jesus Christ. And then with as we fill up in our faith, it just spills out of us to make him known to those around us. And that's a lot of what I want to share today. Maybe I should just sit down and shut up at this point, but that that spells it out. One thing I do also want to highlight is uh, how many get the Tribune paper? Uh, this is the BG Tribune, and just uh, uh, for those of you that saw on the front page, one of the first times I've ever seen it, you actually see a pastor being highlighted, uh, Pastor Kyle Burkholder, and if you, and he's, he's going to get this and sign it, so we maybe <laughs> raffle this baby off for another fundraiser here, um, and if you uh, did come today expecting to hear Kyle, my apologies, you get me instead, uh, but you can come back next week and hear Kyle uh, as he shares his heart. Um, I want to get the clicker going here. Sharing the gospel, uh, what I would call the blessing of evangelism. When you hear the word evangelism, sharing the gospel, what, co- what comes up in your mind? Oh, goody for some, absolutely. Oh, heck, oh, darn, what a challenge. Fear, insecurities, lots of things come to mind if you're honest with yourself. And what I hope to do today is to maybe... Have you learned to deal with some of those fears, some of those insecurities, some of those inconveniences a little bit with some, maybe some ammunition of why and how? Um, But first, I want to get into a bit of my story. I think what's helpful when you share your faith is you have a story and a story to tell. I have a story. A lot of you have heard my story, so again, you're going to get a chance to hear it again. Uh, Hopefully, it's the same one you've heard before. I can be consistent. Um, I think the story, my wife, maybe should ask her the story. Um, I accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior and began a long, lifelong journey with him in 1974 of October. So uh, it's been 42-plus years that I've walked with the Lord, with him in my heart and mind. Prior to that, and I don't think I'm overstating it, but I really did not like God, if he existed. Uh, I had grown up in the Methodist church, did all the stuff, went to Sunday school, and there was parts of it I really enjoyed and was kind of challenged over in a good way. But when I was in high school, some things happened at the church I went to that really offended me. And it really is a a caution even to us today as a church that we want to make sure we're a church that welcomes people. And what I felt and what I heard is that the church I went to, everybody wore suits and ties, everybody dressed real nicely. And the the word on the street was, and I never did go back to to affirm it, uh, was that the migrant workers in the community we lived in had a lot of migrant workers uh, doing work in their fields. Uh, worked at Spring Hill Nurseries, which is a big nursery near us, and that because they didn't bathe very well, they didn't dress right, they were trying to figure out some other way of serving them versus having them come to church on Sunday. Now, I heard that and said, I'm done. If that's what God's about, I don't want any part of it. Uh, it, just, it just offended me. And so, that because that was a focus of that group. It was all about administration, all about the church being set up pretty. And so, even though we have a wonderful sanctuary, you all look great today, we don't want to be pretty. We want to be real. We want to have people be welcome in our midst, however they are dressed, however they're, they're set up, and not have anything to put anything on them. So I really became ambivalent to Christ and God. I became almost a hater of God, and that was probably in 1970, 1970s, early 1970s. So I come to college um, and then began a journey serving myself, 
and um, and then somewhere along my college career, my life got hijacked. And I'm going to come back to that story in a bit. As you all know, the Great Commission says very clearly from our Lord, all authority in heaven and earth has been granted to him, to me, he says. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here's the part that I just love. And behold, I... Jesus, am with you always to the end of the age. We don't go alone. He says, go, but I am with you to the end of the age. Well, go where? Uh, all reaches of the earth. Some are, are missionaries. Some uh, do it in different places. But I would contend to you that it's a lot of it has to do with this next commandment that says the greatest commandment. Jesus replied to the, uh, the doubters of that day, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's almost like done deal. You do these things, Jesus said, you got it. And from these things, you do other things. But those, this is the foundation of it. So when you ask the question, go where? Well, it's your neighbor. It's your coworker. It's the lady behind the counter. It's the waitress at the restaurant. Um, it may be a mission trip to Africa. Right, Kyle? Uh, maybe doing, going on mission for long term. Maybe it could be lots of things. And there's all kinds of prescriptions for ways to go. But I challenge you today, your, your go is here today where you're at, too. It's not wait for that moment. Today is the moment. It's that person sitting next to you that God says, love and bring them to me. Also in Luke 15... Another great story. I love this one, too. Uh, so he told the parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the one that has lost till he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So God lays out a pretty prescriptive plan for us to have a heart for those that do not know him. We should love our neighbors ourselves. We should go. Go could be across the backyard. It could be across the world. And he says that one person that comes to me is worth a whole lot. The angels rejoice. However, I do know and, and fully understand that, that sharing your faith is a scary thing. It's vulnerable. You risk rejection. In fact, Jesus said, you're probably going to get that. I got it. You're going to get it too. And so how do you overcome that? Rejection, fear, frankly, inconvenience. It's inconvenience to share your faith. It means someone's going to hijack your agenda for the day. And I can honestly say that I probably fail in that more often than I succeed. And I'm really excited when I succeed in that, let my agenda be hijacked for something maybe God's doing that I didn't figure on. But it's really hard. So I have a short bit, not so short, but a video I want to show you. It's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek. Uh, hopefully it'll challenge you a bit. Here is, is one way uh, to uh, uh, come out of your shell and, and overcome your objections. And I have some others after this video that might be maybe more relevant. Go ahead and play it, Dave. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked the results. 
We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. Yeah, baby! Next time I'm going to hit you so hard, you're going to flight. NASA's going to think I didn't launch a satellite. You see, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, ah! don't you run from me! You can't escape my class! D-Gray will throw you in the trash! Thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up 87%. Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I got to do. Uh-huh. Hey, man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I got to go. Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God to love the world, he wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. We're intrigued as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go. Here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist. Not too hot, not too cold. Perfect for you. Anyway, man, did you hear that talk from that guy the other night? Oh, I know. Like, we were supposed to be sharing our faith in, like, coffee shop. Woo! Woo! Shut out in a coffee shop, baby! You next! It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall. That's Old Testament. You see, I think it's fitting because when people have pride, that they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect it, around the corner, perhaps even under your bed, I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere and just know that I'm always watching. Ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! Ouch. Are you ready for game day? Steven, how was the technique on that? <laughs> uh, obviously, it's a, it's a funny video. I, I actually debated showing this because it's a little bit long and, and uh, it's a little bit violent. But...
our heart for Christ should be equally violent. We should be out for him. So, okay, if that's not the way, if you don't want to have the, the uh, line, but I know that, by the way, the uh, football team coaches are out recruiting. I, I did ask Coach Jenks to bring back a uh, linebacker for evangelism, so we'll see what, what happens with that. Uh, so th- there's better ways, and here's the good news. Uh, evangelism, sharing your faith, is not about you. And I think for us, we've got to get out of ourselves. We gotta, it's not about me. It's not about my rejection. It's about Christ. Um, Luke 12, verse 8 says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men... I'm going to put this to the blank spot. There we go. No? There we go. Um, Luke 12, 8 says, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before angels. Pretty amazing promise. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks the word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before synagogues or before your classmates or before your work or before any institution that you may be talking to, when they bring you before these folks, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour of what you will say. Remember back in Matthew, he says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, that means now, and it means here, and it means wherever you're at. And this just says, don't worry about what to say. We all want to have our plan. So good to have your apologetics in line. Everything should be lined up as best you can. However, don't, be, don't worry so much about what you're going to say. Also, don't worry so much who you are. You don't need to be anybody influential. Paul and Silas, obviously pillars of that day, uh, we're, we're challenging the Corinthians on their faith. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He's talking about himself. I'm Paul. This is Silas. We're the ones that water. We, don't, we can't do anything. But only God can give the growth. As I was preparing this uh, message, I kind of reviewed some of this with Kyle to get his and his spin on it and his read for what I was sharing. And he gave me, actually, he sent me back an email, and I'm going to quote what he told me, which I thought was very appropriate here. The Bible paints a picture where we are not responsible for others, but simply responsible to them. To unpack, it, to unpack that, it's not my job to save anybody. I can't do it. I also can't make a decision for them. I'm not responsible for anyone's choices but my own. I am, however, responsible to them, Listening to Jesus out of Matthew 25, I hear him saying that being a follower of his, of his makes me responsible to share the, with the world the good news in word and deed. What someone else does with it is not up to me. So whether you rejected, received, uh, something happens in that moment is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to be there. In other words, share the gospel at all times. Just be part of who you are. Um, also, I'd like to contrast my negative experience. Remember I told you I got mad at God in high school because of some things I thought I heard or understood. Um, what happened to me was uh, God began to touch my heart. I'm going to tell my testimony here in a second. But when you share your faith, um, it's not so much of, of what is out there. It's what's in you. What was in me was darkness. But God brought light to me. And where I've come in my faith journey, there are some things that Kyle talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, will you ask yourself, am I marked with joy? Do I have joy in my spirit? Have I been a recipient of the most miraculous gift ever, a transplant, a heart transplant, a new heart out of sin and death transplanted into a clean heart? 
Are we marked with joy? So ask yourself, am I marked with joy? Are we marked with power? The power of the gospel, is, is that in us? We don't have to do it under our own power. In fact, if you're doing it under your own power, you're really not honoring God. Uh, you don't have to, as he pointed out, it's kind of interesting, you don't have to run a marathon to finish it. You can get in a car and drive it, not nearly as much fun or pain. Uh, but God gives us tools, and we don't always have to do it the way we think we have to do it. God gives us tools, gives us capabilities of doing what he wants us to do, maybe beyond what our ability is. You can't run 26.2 miles, but you can drive it. And if the goal is to get across the finish line, take whatever means you can, but make sure you're doing it. He also challenges our remark with grace. The underdog team plays loose with nothing to lose. If you've got nothing to lose, you can just kind of play the game of evangelism with all your heart. We can't lose. The battle's been won. If you believe that in your heart, if that's in you, it helps a whole lot, obviously. And our remark with Jesus. If we were accused of being a Christian today, is there enough evidence to convict us of that by what people see? Are you acting in a way that Jesus comes out of you? So if these are true, and if they're not true, obviously go back to your prayer time and say, God, help me be filled with joy. Help me be marked by power. Help me be marked by grace. Help me be marked by Jesus. And when you are, when you're filled up, it's hard not to have something spill out. Also, Terrence mentioned last week that a glass of water might be of interest to you. If I had a glass of water and say, hey, John, you want a glass of water? He said, oh, I'll catch you after the meeting. But if you haven't drank for a couple of days, you'll do anything for a glass of water. The world is full of thirsty people. They don't know what their thirst is from. They fill it with all kinds of things. They fill it with, with uh, drugs, sex, alcohol, um, narcissism, stuff. But everyone's looking for an answer to that in their heart, which is missing. And it's that thirst they have. They're trying to fill with all kinds of things. So you're sitting there with a cup of water. And all I would challenge you with today is have that cup handy. So when someone says, I'm really thirsty, and that, that looks like the kind of thing I need to drink, you're there to give them that drink of water which is Christ. John 4 talks about the woman of the well. Jesus said, but whoever, he's talking to the, the um, woman at the well, he says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He talks about water that, that doesn't end, water that just continues to, to be existent. Never, there's no end to it. And that's Christ himself. So from what Kyle told us a few weeks ago and Terrence told us last week, we have an amazing God that is personally involved in our lives. And if we let him, he will fill us. He'll fill us and fill us and fill us. And then it'll just pour out of us. So when you're talking about your faith with somebody, it's not something you have to work up so much. It's something that kind of spills out of you. So when we have this water filling up our life, Christ is in us. All these things are true. Are we marked with these things? What do we do with it? We can just be ourselves filled up. Uh, Jesus gave us a better way of what to do when we're filled up. And here's what I want to tell a bit of my story. One thing that happened with me that I would, guys, I guess put to you all that can be uh, a real tool for evangelism is prayer. Uh, I personally had uh, my, my mother's father, my grandfather, my grandmother, and an aunt who loved Jesus prayed for me most of my life. And after I got saved, they kind of shared with me, you know, I've been praying for you since the day you were born. And that really impacted, I didn't know it. And if I did, I probably ignored it. But they were praying for me. So a praying grandparent, a praying parent, a praying friend is huge to, uh, again, extend the gospel. Also, words. Words of love. Words of love for me, about Jesus' desire to know me, uh, for salvation, the conviction of sin, those words. Um, so prayer and words. 
I had two words come to me as a young man. My other grandfather, Grandfather Dixon, was a crazy fanatic for Christ. He spoke of Jesus everywhere he went. It was almost obnoxious. And, and I was kind of offended by it, frankly. And uh, in the summer of 1974, he got me aside and said, Craig, I see you're trying to clean your life up. And I kind of was. I was kind of convicted about some of my lifestyle. In fact, it's kind of interesting. Al Capernaum sitting here got saved and met Christ in April of 74. And it made me kind of wonder what was going on with this, this gig. Uh, he and I were going to be roommates the next year. And I thought that's going to really mess things up. Our party apartments just shot. And so I went home for the summer thinking, okay, we've got to work out some other kind of plan. But I was convicted uh, by even Al having a strong uh, statement of faith. So my grandfather, when he got me aside that summer, said, I know you're trying to clean your life up. I can see it. I can sense it. But I want to tell you, you cannot be good enough. I don't care how good you try to be. You'll never be good enough. The only way you can be good enough is accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He can give you the grace and the power to live a life that matters. Without him, you're wasting your time. And it really, it spoke to my heart for the first time. He'd spoken to me a number of times, but he was consistent with his words to me, even though I rejected him many times. Probably, I'm sure he cried at night on some of the things I might have said back to him. That moment, I was drinking out of a cup that he provided. I was ready. The water was there for me. Also, that very same summer, I uh, had a uh, guy that I was working with. I was working at a prefab house place, nailing trusses together. And this guy named Mike, uh, I can't even know his last name. I've never met him since. He was instrumental in me coming to Christ. Basically, he shared about Jesus, about you know, John 3.16. Then he would also talk to me about what he did that night at the local bars, getting drunk, and things I won't mention this morning, what he would like to do with girls. He would just lay it out to me, and i kind of go, okay, here's a guy that loves Jesus, says he does. He talks about the gospel, yet he's got a lifestyle that stinks. It's terrible. I would never want to emulate it. But the words he spoke pierced my heart. So my grandfather, who was a godly man speaking to me, and this guy who was a backslidden Christian, still speaking of Christ, really impacted me. I can't tell you why, just did, even though his lifestyle was terrible. So my word to you this morning is words. You don't have to be perfect. Hopefully not as bad as Mike was, but you don't have to be perfect. You can just speak the words of life to people, and God will take those words and use them. So prayer and words. The next thing is, the last thing is actions. Live in a way that points to Christ. And I mentioned earlier, if you were accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence to have you convicted? Live that way. Okay, it's not the only way, because God will use prayer, he'll use words, but you living in a way that honors Christ can speak volumes. Uh, Galatians, one prescription to how to live your life is out of Galatians 5, one of my favorite scriptures. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So act in a way that shows these things. Patience, patience joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, etc. Live this way, and God will use you in, in sharing the gospel. <clears throat> Another phrase I love is share the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. So if you're acting in a way that exemplifies Christ, your words should line up to that. Didn't for this, this, uh, this guy, no Mike, uh, but live in a way that, that honors him. You see a Christian in the end zone at football games on NFL and sometimes the, the college uh, games as well with John 3.16 in the end zone. Have you ever looked at that and went, oh, God never asked me to do that. Uh, we don't all have to be the same. We don't all have to, to, to share Christ the same way or be convicted because someone does it differently than we do. God uses you where you're at. 
we're all to be missionaries in places that we're already at. If it's a practice football field, if it's a gym, if it's the office, if it's shopping, if it's eating out. Uh, the Bible says even the rocks cry out about God. We certainly should cry out for God. So how motivated are we for our friends, acquaintances that don't know Christ? How good is good enough for them? Uh, some people could say, well, you know, he's a really good person. And we all know you just can't be good enough. If a friend was hit by a car or getting ready to get hit by a car, what would we do to save that person? We'd all would, a lot of us would jump out in front of the car and try to push this person out of the way. Well, in reality, we have a lot of people who are ready for, or are positioned for a uh, car wreck in their lives. And we can make a difference in our lives too. As you saw from the linebacker uh, video there, it's, it's uh, fourth and one and Jerry Rice is going out for a pass and it's time to catch the pass and win the game. We can do that as Christians. There's a lot of people that live without Christ around us every day and we should make a difference with them. I want to read this last thing here. Somewhere I've got it. This is a... Uh, a little story told by John, or by, by Max Lucado, out of John 3, 3. Because uh, a lot of us may feel intimidated to share our faith because we're nobody. We don't have a big set of credentials to give us the authority to speak into people's lives. Well, Jesus addressed that very directly. So bear with me in this kind of paraphrased story by uh, Max Lucado of John 3, 3, 3, 2 and 3, 3. The noisy room silences as Nicodemus enters. The men are wharf workers, tax collectors, unaccustomed to the highbrow world of a scholar like Nicodemus. They shift in their seats. Jesus motions for the guests to sit. Nicodemus does, initiates the most famous conversation, or one of the most famous conversations in the Bible. Rabbi, Nicodemus says, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs unless you do, unless, you do, unless God is with him. So Nicodemus acknowledges that Jesus has got something going with God. Nicodemus begins with what he knows. I've done my homework, he says, he implies. Your work impresses me. Tell Jesus, I, I get it. I see what you're doing. There's got to be something in you that's, that's, that's not normal on this earth. We listen for a kindred spirit from Jesus. Jesus kind of firm as you, Nicodemus, you're, you're a very, very influential guy. I'm glad you got it. We expect that to happen, but that doesn't come. Jesus makes no mention of Nicodemus' VIP status, good intentions, or his academic credentials. Not because they don't exist, but because in Jesus' algorithm, they don't matter. He simply issues this proclamation to Nicodemus. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Behold the continental divide of Scripture, the international dateline of faith. Nicodemus stands on one side, Jesus on the other. And Christ pulls no punches about the differences. Nicodemus inhabits a land of good efforts, sincere gestures, and hard work. God gives, God, give God your best, his philosophy says, and God does the rest. Jesus' response to that, your best won't do. Your works don't work. Your finest efforts don't mean squat. He probably didn't use that phrase. Unless you are born again, you can even see what God is up to. Three six John 3.16 talks about that. The numbers of hope, 3.16. So Nicodemus, with all his influence and power of the day, Jesus just kind of addressed that and said, I, I know who you are, and that doesn't matter. I know your works, they're not worth a whole lot. I know your intentions, they're worthy, but not worthy enough. And he tells Nicodemus that he must be born again um, to know him, to know God. So whether you feel like you're influential and have a right to speak into people's lives, or whether you feel like you don't, doesn't matter. You have 
Jesus in you, if you allow him to fill you up with, the, with power, uh, it'll just spill out of you. And when someone is thirsty and says, I need a drink from God, you're there with a cup, hopefully, and feed that. And then the more you, more you give, the more God fills you up. I'm going to finish up this uh, with a, a set of um, quotes also. And while I'm doing it, I'll ask the worship team to come up if you want to play that video. And just as you're watching this video of, the, of these quotes, just challenge yourself. Let, let some of these quotes kind of affect you. If they kind of like make you a little itchy about, ooh, then that's okay. Uh, think about what, what God would speak to you today based on his desire for you to share your faith with all the power that he has for you, not on your own.